199th episode of Absolute AppSec. I'm Ken Johnson at CK Tricky on Twitter, joined by my co-host Seth Law at Seth Law on Twitter. Seth, say hi. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode. Uh, we're excited to be here. It's just Ken and I today. There's quite a bit of um, news that's happened over the past couple of weeks as we've had, you know, various guests on the show. So there's a lot to catch up on um, and to actually review today. Uh, I know I've been promoting it pretty heavily the last few weeks, but that um, our practical secure code review at DEF CON trainings in Bellevue in Washington or near Seattle, um, uh, April 13th and 14th, it is selling out. So if you are interested, sign up now. I think the, the early bird signups date has passed, um, but there are a few seats still available. Um, outside of that, uh, there are a couple other conferences that we're looking at, other things that we're going to consider. There are other DEF CON trainings this year, including the one in Vegas uh, that we'll be at, um, but we will announce as we get closer to those different events and we have more going on. Yeah. Uh, Ken, I think that's everything. Am I missing anything from your end? Uh, no, I mean, from a personal note, it's my last week at GitHub. So, uh, yeah, that's, um, bittersweet, uh, sad, a little sad, a lot of sad, you know, a little sad to say goodbye. So, um, yeah, but yeah, anyways, so I'm going back on the, uh, the, uh, the, the selling side of the world, right? Yes. Uh, yes building yes. stuff and selling it. So, <laughs> yep. um, yeah, I get to be a dirty vendor again. <laughs> Uh-huh. back to that self stealth startup mode or whatever it is you want to talk about. I mean, yeah, like we'll, we'll get into it. Um, obviously you and I, like I, I know probably more than is general knowledge at this point, but in, you know, we're excited to see what's going to come out of it. Right. Um, and where you go with it. Cause there's, there's so many avenues, there's so many weaknesses and yeah, that we're going to talk about more of those today. Right. Like, like, uh, yeah. So much. No, but, it's going to be exciting. I mean, I, yeah, like it's going to be fun. So, um, but you know, besides that, I don't really have much else to report on. I know we've got some trainings coming up. I know we've got stuff going on. So, uh, I know we've got our sponsorship, uh, package pamphlet stuff, documentation put together, yep. but we're going to just do a one final pass to make sure it, uh, lines up with, you know, correctly, but yeah. Sounds, sounds good. Yep. Um, With expectations. You... So yeah, there will be, uh, you know, if you're interested, I know we've been talking to a couple of people that have already uh, reached out about it. Um, but if you are interested, you can always hit us up at info at absoluteappsec.com or uh, DM me and Ken on Slack, right? Like uh, we'd love to talk about it um, and make it affordable for sponsors as well as, uh, you know, help support the show. Um, are you, you're out yeah. next week, right? Yes, yes, I am okay. out next week. So I, we'll I know we have our 200th episode. Yeah, we've got our 200th episode coming up. Um, and I'm trying to remember, I think, you know, that week after, I think we do have a guest that's going to be on, if I remember right. Um, I don't remember, though. <laughs> this is This is where we're at this week, right? Cool. Well, let's just dive into it, right? Like um, from a news perspective, there's a couple of items that we had on the top of our list. Uh, Ken, do you want to talk OWASP first or do you want to talk Eurostar? 
Yes, we got Jerry Gamblin on February 28th. Oh, nice. Um, That's, so you that are is correct. very That's apropos. Yep. So that'll be our 200, 200th episode will be Jerry. So that's awesome. Bringing it back where Jerry was an early guest. I think he was. A, um, I'm pretty sure he was our first guest, actually. Was he? Oh, that's awesome. Uh, dang. Yes, he was. Uh, that episode, episode three was Jerry Gamblin. So. You'd almost think we just like did this stuff on purpose. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, that's great. Cool. Yeah. All right, so Eurostar. Let's fine. Let's talk about OWASP. Okay, I'm going to drop that in there. Um, and this sure change, yeah, it was it was also shared in Slack yesterday or the day before. Um, OWASPchange.github.io, right? Um, and there are a whole ton of signatures on this. Um, realistically, it's about restructuring. OWASP, right? And I have all sorts of feelings here because I, I mean, just if I take it back, right, from an OWASP perspective, OWASP has been, a, overall, it's been a positive thing in the community, right? Like the OWASP top 10, the awareness that goes into um, application security, the different projects that they support, um, the different conferences. But I also have like, I have mixed feelings about OWASP on the flip side, um, because we've had uh, different experiences with the organization over time, right? Whether it's the, you know, the organizer's mailing list that gets all sorts of crazy, whether it like it almost, you know, I, and I, it kind of swings back and forth, right? Like whether it is, you know, some of the kind of corporate sponsorships that were early on with OWASP that almost felt like it almost took over the organization and then it didn't. Um, and so they swung you know, multiple different directions. Um, there isn't a lot of kind of core support for things. And I think that's part of what they're, they're jumping into here. I, I, I don't know. I like you start reading this. Ken, what are your initial thoughts there when it comes to, I, I mean, OWASP in general, I guess. Yeah, man, that's a hard one. Um, how much time do you have? I guess, you know, that's, well, we know how much time we have. So uh, I'll keep it brief. I think, um, well, let's start with um, the proposal itself and who all is involved. So um, it looks like when you go through the poll, so, okay, if you scroll to the bottom, it says, um, you know, add, add your name if you want to add your signature to this, um, to this document, right? Uh, yep. So what it looks like is the um, initial folks that kind of started all of this, um, you know, there's probably like Daniel Cutbert was one, Steve Springett from uh, Dependency. Am I getting that right? Is it Dependency something? Track or whatever uh, is yep. on there. Yep. Um, Seba is on there. Uh, Bjorn Mark Curfee. So that was four days ago. So if I'm if I'm splitting this out between because yesterday we there were like a ton of signatures added, um, and then four days ago there were the original signatures. So I'm kind of when you look at the original here, I'll just share it on the screen so people I can be pretty uh, you know transparent as to what I'm looking at here. Um, pull requests OWASP. Okay, so first of all, it's OWASP changes the GitHub organization. 
Um, I'll zoom in a bit here for people. So yeah, like I said, Steve Springett, Sign Letter, um, King Thorin, a bunch of these names, right? Um, but that's about it, right? It's four days ago. Uh, and then, so those are, those are what I would classify as probably the core people that kind of kicked this all off. Um, and of course, uh, what's his name? Uh, from zap, uh, Simon, Simon. Simon. Yeah. Oh, right. yeah. It's actually, I'm looking away. And as I look back, it's his name's right there. Anyways. Uh, right. So these, anyways, up to that point, these are probably all the like core people is what I would assume. Uh, and then after that, you see all the other, other names. So it seems like there are probably like about maybe 10, eight to 10 people in the beginning who kind of all came together on this to include you shop folks, a WhatsApp, all that. So yeah, just starting kind of there, right? You go through this name. Now it's a gigantic list of, you know, a lot of this is like who's who of AppSec or, um, you know, like Dennis Cruz on there. Um, you've got, yeah, you've got all the names like Brian Glass is on there, Robin Wood. Um, these are people who I've like, you know, you and I have grown up with uh, in the industry. Jeremy Long, Bjorn, yeah, all these people. Yep. So, anyways, who's who? Now, let's talk about the actual um, proposal. I I actually am a little uh, unclear as to what's being asked here. Um, maybe maybe you have more clarity on this it's to me it's it's a lot to me everything's kind of focused around uh, money right money for projects that that's honestly yeah. what it, it seems like whether it's in the form of sponsorships or in, in making a structure such that and this has always been a friction point for OWASP is having it's like how do we get support well we get support to volunteers how do we get volunteers well um people have to spend usually uh, like, especially if they're consultants or working for a, not like at a company that's defending, but r- rather some, somebody's offering a service or a product, you know, you're, you're having to take away time typically from, from your company time. Some people do it on their off time, but most people do that. Well, also there's gotta be sponsors for conferences, for meetups. There's gotta be, um, uh, <clears throat> people have to fly out. Right. Cause like, um, uh, in terms of the money that you get for chapters, it's uh it's okay but it it you know even for your bigger chapters it's like how much money do you really have to to fly people out and whatnot so you're relying a lot a lot on people uh companies to to pay for sending them out um and i yeah. guess why i'm saying all this is that there's always been this friction where it's like you need corporations to spend money but we want to be this open source thing and so then there becomes this like, well, let's have really specific rules around, you know, how vendors can present and um, keep vendor influence out of it. And it's like, well, you know what? That's impossible. The second money's involved, there's there's no, that's a fucking illusion. Like, that's not a real thing, right? Like, there's money involved. So corporations are involved. So anyways, um, it's always been a weird friction. And I'm wondering if this proposal isn't some um, some way of like, breaking down some of that friction and just kind of acknowledging that we need sponsorships and partnerships and money need money. And so while I don't see any specific guidance here, like there's nothing that I could take here and be like, Oh yeah, we could implement like that's an action item. It's more of like pretty vague in my opinion, anyways, pretty vague kind of like the found like the structure should be better to reflect the needs of the entire community, increasing access and participation for corporate practitioners, governments, major sponsors and key technology providers. Great. Like, 
what does that mean? Right. Like in practical terms, what does that actually look like? So anyways, all I'm saying is this is great um, that, you know, we're trying to maybe break. I feel like that's maybe, and if I'm wrong, like I'm wrong. Right. But if that's the, the thing is breaking down that friction, it's good that somebody's like saying the quiet part out loud at this point. Right. Cause yep. we've just been kind of like glossing over the fact that there's this huge friction point inherently baked into the model of OWASP. Yeah, I, like, and it's interesting, like they reference the open source security foundations plan, right, for suitable funding. Um, and, but I, I'm, I'm with you that it doesn't seem to have a solution built into it, right? It's like, hey, we see this as a problem. You know, let us know within 30 days with, with what you come up with, which isn't like, it's, it's not necessarily bad, but with all the names that are attached to it and the thought that's gone into this, like I, I would almost feel like there should be some sort of initial proposal as far as like, Oh, you know, like there's these corporate sponsorships and this is what you get for a corporate sponsorship with OWASP. Um, and like, Hey, if you want to fund a project completely, we should allow you to do that. Right. Like that kind of thing as long as there's some clear separation of what that actually rolls up to. Uh, you know, I, I, I feel like there's probably a step further that they could have gone. So I'm with you there. Um, Cause it, it does feel like it's a lot of, Oh, well you should be doing this and you're not right. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. It's, right. It's like it's hard it, to, as somebody who has like, like even literally today, I'm going to, uh, you know, executive decision makers and advocating for something, right? Like, man, the, the amount of detail that is required <laughs> before getting to that point with being fairly prescriptive. When I say fairly, I mean, prescriptive, like very, like, this is what we should do. Um, here's why. Uh, here's the backstory. Here's what we've done. Here's what we, you know, need and, and all of that, right? Um, so when I go to OWASP change organization on GitHub, there's only that one repo and that one repo only has that like open letter. So there's no, there's no, like I was looking at that repo thinking maybe there'd be another file that was like, you know, here's what in more concrete steps we were kind of thinking that you could, this could look like. There isn't any of that. So I, I, I guess why I'm saying that is, man, it's really hard to get traction and movement when you, if you don't lay things out for people like pretty easily. Yeah. Yeah. And this, uh, this is uh, the, the problem with like, I mean, even open source projects in general, right. Is it's one thing to say, well, wow, this is broken but it's another to actually contribute back and fix it. Right. Um, and it, like, we see this all the time, like with those OWASP projects, I know like talking to Brian, that this is one of his huge complaints on like the OWASP top 10. There's a lot of people that are like, Hey, we want to like, we want to contribute, but really it's, I want my name on the project so I can go promote my name that I'm part of this project, but then don't actually, you know, do anything else once they get that recognition. Right. Um, and, and that's it, just the nature of, I, I guess, people is it's really easy to point out problems, but it's a lot harder to actually fix them and actually contribute and dedicate the time, dedicate the effort to, to put something together. 
Um, and I, you know, maybe we're contributing to this by actually like talking about it, but I do feel like with OWASP in general, we've had these cycles of, oh, well, we're going to go fix everything, right? Like, um, and, um, we're going to fix the structure. We're going to fix the funding and they've tried different things where, you know, we're going to go hire a new executive director to do X, Y, and Z. We're going to, and then. Um, it doesn't necessarily work out as planned and, you know, we continue as usual and we just kind of have learned to live with it. Right. I, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know what I, where I'm going with it. So like, that's why I, like I see something like this and it's a mixed bag for me is I just like, I have, I feel like we've done this before. Right. And is this going to actually, you know, institute any change like if it does move the needle a little bit more that's great but how much of the structure are we actually going to be able to change at this point the organization is large how we use the OWASP top 10 how we use OWASP in general in the community I don't know if that changes right like yeah yeah you know um I assume because I don't know the inner you know like at this point I don't, you know, admittedly, I, I don't know the underpinnings of OWASP much anymore. Like there was a few years ago where I was helping out pretty heavily with yeah. stuff for them. And then, um, and like a uh, big part of um, when I, I don't, I don't really remember the exact timeline. I know it was like not too far after I started at GitHub. I uh, ended up helping out the, at the time. Uh, like chairman. the transition. Yeah. 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 The transition to GitHub.com off of the, the wiki pages. Right. So that was a big effort. We got that done since then, you know, we've done some OWASP training less now just because the pricing model has made it less uh, attractive for us, um, you know, in comparison to the other bigger conferences. Um, sorry, just reality, you know. Um, yep. And uh, so then I've had less involvement, I guess is what I'm trying to say with with OWASP. Um, I do still own the RailsGoat project. I have had a recent request for someone to take that over um still deciding on that um but anyways that's that's basically the the limit of my my time with get or uh, excuse me with OWASP so I'm not sure what I guess why I'm saying all this is like it feels like there's got to be some other sort of like undercurrent and something I or you or both of us are not privy to um only because usually if you are any number of these people on this list you probably have direct access anytime you want to whoever's to the excuse me to the to the decision makers who whoever would be in charge for making these decisions um i would think right so doing it publicly is it that you had those private conversations and they got nowhere and so now it's like well let's uh create a uh groundswell you know movement uh to try and like force someone's hand here. I really don't know. It's, it feels more political than it does uh, anything else, frankly. And, and again, I'm not against this. Like I, I love improving things. I love calling things out if they're, they're not up to snuff. And I think also it's a really, I really would like to see if this is what this is an attempt at, I would really love to see, um, you know, some, some uh, better structure to reduce that friction. Like I said, between, uh, people with financial motives and um, what the foundation was set up for, which is like altruistic, you know, provide security to the application security to the world kind of thing. So yeah. anyways, I don't know. Like, what do I know? That's what I'm trying to say. What do I know? Uh, it just yeah. seems like 
Well, it, yeah, I just I don't mean, think it'll would... make much difference is what I'm trying to say. Like, I, yeah. I hate to say that. And maybe it will. Maybe I'm completely off. I, I hope so. But it, I just feel like if you want to make more, if it's like, if you want to make more traction, you got to be more prescriptive. Yep. Yeah. And it, I mean, go take a look at it, read through it. Let us know what you think. Right. Like there was, like I said, a, a fairly spirited discussion on uh, Slack about it uh, yesterday or the day before as it came out. Um because there there is so much involvement with OWASP, and so you start to question. I mean, there's other like certification organizations and things out there that, like, also I have questions about you know how they're actually run. But at least OWASP, it's it's fairly public when they go through stuff like this. Um, but yeah, the, the the political machinations or whatever that's going on behind the scenes, uh, you know, let, let's just hope it you know it it improves and those projects get the funding and get the the support that they need from a community and also from the, the companies that are involved and that benefit from it. Right. Like um, a lot of times that, you know, I, yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think that's where we're at with it. So I don't think we need to, you know, spend too much more time on that. So let's flip to something that's more. I, I would say, I love a lot of the people on that list. They're, they're like yeah. I said, people we've grown up with. So it's not, they're very thoughtful, right? Like, I, yeah, I mean, I go back, exactly. we, you know, we worked very closely with Brian Glass for a number of years, right? And still do. And so, like, when he puts some thought into it and actually, like, is is putting his name to something, I'm going to think about it. Like, the way his methodical nature of that OWASP Top 10 and how it was, you know, I, essentially saved by him and his, like, the other leads that took it over um, is very impressive, right? So, it, it I know that it's not just like a off the hip style thing. There's a lot of forethought that's gone into it. So it'll be interesting to watch and we'll update as we know what, what happens on it. Brian might be one of my favorite people in this industry. And one of the true, one of the few people that you can say truly is altruistic in his motives and really just tries to give away a plethora of knowledge. Like you said, in a very uh, methodical quality driven way, um, to the community and uh, yeah. I mean, what else can you say? So when you see names like that on there, you're like, man, there's weight to this, but I don't know. I just, it's, it's so, it's just, it's kind of hit me with like, I don't know what to do with that. Like, I, I really don't like, I, I love the idea of getting it started. Maybe that's the point, but like, I think you need to have a, a very quickly within days or now a, a actual more concrete set of uh, prescriptive suggestions. So anyways, Yep. We don't have to talk about it forever because there are so many things, given that we've had guests the last two weeks, man, there's so many things to get through. So I'm not sure what else uh, yeah. to even start with. We can talk about the Eurostar star bit if you want. I think it's interesting. It's a lot of, again, us just kind of speculation, kind of speculating. <laughs> this is all this. I don't you know. know I, I'm going to put it hot there. takes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I love this one. I, like this one is for some reason is just overly entertaining to me because it's Eurostar. Um, shooting yeah. themselves in the foot right like it, it is let's let, yeah. let's be honest they didn't think it through so basically what happens here um they're doing some sort of security upgrade on their passwords they send out password reset links to everyone but the password reset links when you go to that page actually uh gives you some sort of an error message that you can't actually reset your password essentially they locked out they preferred performed a denial of service for all of their users on themselves, right? Um, and th this always goes back to the, ah, dang, security is hard, right? Like, it is. 
And whatever they were trying to do, whether it was like, oh, we're re regenerating session token, like secret keys behind the scenes, we're upgrading password hashes, like whatever was it's going on. A laugh or something, whatever. Yeah, it might be. or like whatever it was, they didn't do proper testing before they pushed it out, right? Like that's that's realistically what it boiled down to. Number one, they didn't anticipate probably the load. Right. Like, oh, if we send this to all of our users, what's going to happen? Right. Like uh, we have 100 million users, let's say you're not prepared to take that level of traffic on a single page when there's a single microservice behind the scenes that's actually doing this transition. Right. Like there's so many ways that this could this could have failed that I just like it's it's rather spectacular to watch. Right. And I know there's a little bit of schadenfreude because I've done things like this to myself before. Right. Like so I, like I feel for them, but I'm also like, oh, there's so much learning that's going on here. That's great. Right. Like, I, yeah, yes. It's unfortunate for sure, but it's, it's 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 it is a little comical only because it's it is Eurostar and it's very large, you know. Um, yeah, you would think uh, they would be a little bit more methodical, I guess, right? Um, and then it was apparently it was three days after the data breach situation that they had, right? Like, or they they announced a data breach. I thought so, the data. I actually have to yeah. read on that because I thought the data breach was. There was one from 2018, but there was a tweet that came out that said, we're having technical details three days after this strikes me as a, oh, as a data breach situation, right? Like, so maybe somebody was speculating on Twitter that, oh, maybe there was a breach. So they're going to reset everybody's password, right? Yeah, that's what I thought was that it was, there was a breach yeah. before and they were just speculating that it was a password reset, which could be true, but I think you know, it's also very likely that they were just doing something behind the scenes, like having, um, like you said, upgrading the password hashing mechanism. We see that all the time with password hacking, hashing mechanism. You have to be really careful because uh, it's a great idea to upgrade if you need to, like if you have like, I don't know, SHA-1 or something, you need to like get, get with something that, that would work. Um, then you would see those upgrades and then maybe you would see some, some issues, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, it seems like they just had because one thing I was thinking was like maybe they were um, like to your point when you mentioned the session key being rotated that generates sessions like that that could definitely cause something like that right where you go to visit the site because at first they said they I think if I read it correctly at first when the first issue was that when they just visited the site people like got that error and then later they were like oh well you can um, either re-register with your user account or use the forgot password reset link. And then um, neither of those worked um, either. And yeah, somewhere along the line in there, they're like, well, just remove your cookies, which made me think, oh, maybe the there's like some uh, weird stack, ex uh, some, some exception it's causing or some weird buggy thing that is occurring because of a session secret mismatch and how the session was uh, generated. Yeah. Or even if it was upgraded into a different type, like for instance, if they were using some sort of unsafe serialization for reading that uh, session in, maybe it's like, well, let's change the session serialization mechanism to like JSON something, you know, safe, known safe, and then maybe yep. even rotate the secret key at the same time. So there's like a number of ways I think, and we could be totally off. I mean, this is all just like super speculation based <laughs> off of speculation. very, very little details, uh, which is yeah, what well, seems to be our specialty on this podcast. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, they, who knows? But it, it is funny. 
yeah, it, it was just entertaining I, again, right? Like I, I, I realize that there's people involved on the back end and wish them the best in getting that solved. But yes, it it does. It, it feels like a p- premature rollout of a you know an authentication system upgrade. Whatever they were doing behind the scenes didn't anticipate what was actually going to happen and the load that was involved and the number of problems that occur when something like that happens. That you know, this isn't they aren't they aren't alone in uh, yeah in experiencing this. That's all. I do think it's interesting because as I was thinking about it, like I've done. Here's what I'll say: I've done stuff for Amtrak, right? And I know what their process looks like, and it's pretty. Um, well, if, we'll say this. If Eurostar was mimicking that kind of process, like it actually be, I would feel like it would actually be pretty hard to go live with this mistake and nobody noticed. But, um, and it's not because I'm saying Amtrak's the best. I'm just saying that, you know, there's some heavier change control than you might see at like a, a startup or a Silicon Valley, you know, sure. DevOpsy yeah. style place. So. Well, yeah, they're quasi, they're quasi like government organizations, right? Like, and typically they do have some sort of methodical layout of, you know, some sort of risk analysis for providing services, making sure that there is specific uptime. Um, yeah. So, I, I mean, honestly, like that'd be super frustrating. You're trying to go get your tickets to get online, you know, to go take a train and all of a sudden you can't access your app because your Eurostar account is locked out because of this upgrade that's happening, right? Like it's, a, it's probably caused some major disruptions and headaches for people, uh, you know, trying to go on trips. So I, yeah, we'll, I, that's another one that I want to watch, right? To see if they come out with any more details on it. I'll be surprised if they actually do, because I'm sure it's all internal and they're just going to be like, oh, it's fixed now, right? Uh, don't, don't, don't mind the old tech behind the scenes. It's fine, right? Southwest didn't have any problems like that. So yeah. Yeah. Anyway. I, yeah. Poor Southwest. Listen, poor Southwest. Southwest gets a bad rep. I've flown Southwest. It's not, it's not, uh, it's not awful or anything. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> unless, unless you were doing it over uh, the holidays, right? Yeah. Unless you're doing it this holiday, then it was not great. But yeah, yeah on the yeah. whole, it's, it's yeah. fine. Hey, by the way, how nice was Phoenix Air, Phoenix's airport? Like, uh, oh, that's right. Yeah. For Cactus Con. It was awesome. Right. That, yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, because for those who have been not to Phoenix since COVID, they've upgraded that airport like significantly and they added a SkyTrain. So you don't have to take a bus over to the uh, rental car agency anymore. Now you just take a, a train. So here's your, your daily dose of travel advice from Absolute Absent. You know? <laughs> yes. Um, Phoenix is Phoenix, no longer the worst. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> that airport was such a shit show before. It was so terrible. First of all, it take like 80 minutes for your bag to come out. And then once it did, then then like forget taking the bus. The bus is a whole other thing. Like that would take, it would, you would go for like a 20 minute bus ride in the middle of nowhere in not a nice area. And you're like, what's going on here? Like, am I, yeah. <laughs> like I'm getting robbed or something <laughs> or I got on the wrong bus anyways. Yeah. So it was really horrible. It was like two hours after you landed before you even get to your rental car. It was crazy. So maybe not literally, but it was terrible. So anyways, uh, why did we, why did I mention that? Um, how do I even get on that topic? Because uh, we I, went to Phoenix for Cactus Con, I guess, right? Like that was, yeah. I had a reason, but I forget why. Um, I I was gonna post this whole uh, Reddit thing if you want me to continue. Sure, on here. let's let's drop there, right? Like Reddit was hacked, right? Or, yeah, yeah. Or fished, yeah. I guess, is more of a 
Yes. Yeah. You know, I got to, I got to say, here's what I want to say first and foremost about this. If this is the company I work, work at, right. My first thing is, thank God it wasn't, uh, it wasn't AppSec that caused the breach. That's my first, because phishing, I can totally live with. Phishing happens. That's something that is just, that's in everybody's threat model is like the ultimate, like, yeah, we're going to do all these things and fix the perimeter and have internal monitoring and detect threat detection. And we're going to have, you know, secured apps and we're going to do all these things and have endpoint device management and all this stuff. And then fishing right like all like everybody knows that's that's usually a good way to get in to, to get into the uh yeah keys of the kingdom so yeah. and and honestly like this and that's is, what I, I, yeah my favorite line from the article is that the employee self-reported the fish right that like soon after being he self-reported and the security team responded right like so it worked right like their their um security incident process and the fact that the the user recognized oh crap this was wrong and actually didn't just hide it didn't just try to do it himself but like followed the proper mechanisms um, like kudos to them and kudos to the, to whoever the employee was right for actually recognizing and you know uh, and reporting that because that's that's where we fall down a lot of point a lot of times when it comes to phishing attacks is that whoever like clicked the fish, put in those credentials doesn't actually uh, report because they're ashamed of what happened. Right. Um, and if they don't, then that introduces that the whole idea of, okay, the blast radius just gets bigger and bigger because that, you know, unauthorized individual or whoever it is has access to those credentials for longer. They're able to actually start to pivot, right? Like that's where you start to have bigger issues, um, so, I mean, that was my favorite line from the article, or at least like that was my favorite, like, uh, you know, recognition. Sorry. What else were you going to say on it? No, no, I think that's, I, I, no, that's a great takeaway. That's a good, it's a good outcome. It's like, um, you know, like you said that, that I will say it's pretty, I, I wonder, I'm speculating again, but I wonder if, if, because this person, this uh, attacker had access to uh, code, it had access to dashboards, um, you know, they mentioned the internal docs and all that. It all happened pretty quickly. So um, I guess why I'm saying this is I wonder if it isn't either the affected person took a little while to report the phishing thing and like maybe it wasn't immediate or it was immediate. And, you know, sometimes um, teams will just let attacker, as long as they're within like safe parameters, they'll, you know, you can reduce permissions of that user without it being obvious. And then um, allow that person to continually, you know, go through known, you know, non like stuff that is privileged, but not going to cause massive issues or whatever. And then you can kind of like uh, a lot through that, that persistent access, you know, spy versus spy monitor that uh, attacker and get, get, gather some information on that attacker. I know that um, I've heard of this, especially when companies call in um, like uh, cybersecurity from in, in, in the U.S. anyways, like the, uh, the DOJ, FBI folks, that uh, they, they will, I've heard of them not just immediately cutting off access and instead sort of letting it to letting it play out as to the degree that it is okay for that to occur. Um, just, just to be able to, yeah, uh, collect forensic information. 
Yep. Yeah. I, I also like you're reading through the report and there's a link to like, you know, human weaknesses and uh, what is it that they say? Uh, the human is often the weakest part of the security chain. I'm like, oh, that's great. Like we have uh, links to XKCD in the incident report, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> Do we know. really? Yeah. Yeah. There's <laughs> in that, in that oh, same paragraph. We- yeah. Yeah. Yep. Hey, you can be playful and also, uh, you know, take it seriously. Yeah, I, at the same I time. take seriously. Yeah. And then let's see what information was involved. What is Reddit doing? The the post analysis as well, right? Like the the post breach analysis, the sit downs that are happening. I, I like. I love that they are actually like modeling this behavior in the public eye. Right. Like mm-hmm. what happens during a breach? Okay. How do we find out about it? All right. Like, so, and, and this would be the takeaway from an AppSec perspective as well. Cause I, you know, I know we go to Crocs and socks, right. Like all the time, or I do at least, right. Like logging and monitoring. But if we don't have the process built around that for AppSec as well as like phishing and other things, like it's going to expose us. Right. But mm-hmm. you know, okay. So this is the analysis. This is how we found out about it. This is what we did immediately after. And these were the key takeaways so that we're going to like, we can ensure that it doesn't happen again, right? They're modeling good security behavior and good security analysis in the public eye. And as an AppSec person, you want to take this and look at it and then look at your own process and say, okay, how would we have dealt with this, right? Like say, you know, in this case, it's phishing. All right. So that's not something that necessarily AppSec can help with. But what happens when you do have a breach? You have a sensitive data disclosure. You see something in the logs that is inappropriate. How do you research, right? Like, how do you go back and figure out what your exposure was? Number one, how do you actually respond to that? Like, what is it that you have to do? How far do you have to run it up the chain? How do you notify customers about that, right? Like Reddit's pretty easy because it is Reddit, right? So they can notify everyone on the homepage. But then also like, how do you break down lessons learned? What do you do behind the scenes? Like, what is the what is your process for handling an incident, an AppSec incident? Because that, you know, that fits into the security incidents as a whole. And I mean, I, you know, I know like you've, you've been involved with this, I'm sure on the GitHub Microsoft side of things, like, you know, what you do from an incident perspective and it, you know, it takes years off your life. Um, but even as a small like company, like we've had to deal with this before together, right? Like we we're being contacted by people and had higher ups that thought that we had been hacked or somebody had been compromised. What do you do? Um, and it, it's an interesting question. It's an interesting table talk top exercise uh but i would take what reddit has done here and actually like compare and contrast right like you know would you want to go deeper in some of these sections um or you know maybe you're covered maybe you're not a target however that whatever that boils down to yeah you have to have a you you have to have a playbook and you have to not just that but you have to run it you know you have to practice it and you have to do it i think I want to say at Living Social, we did it quarterly. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I can't speak to what our team at GitHub does, um, but I can't, meaning like in terms of like uh, um, practice stuff, but I can tell you they're getting practice all the time, right? Like, because um, there's always some, because you don't just run incidents for like 
actual breaches, you, 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 you tend to, I mean, most people run them for just anything that was discovered that might have been breached. Um, yep. Meaning if a vulnerability is introduced, you have to follow up and find out like, was that ever breached? So it becomes its own in, incident response investigation, even if it's not a true breach incident. Um, so you get a lot of practice inherently without, I mean, again, it depends on, obviously github.com has a huge user base, tons of people, tons of activity, right? If you're a smaller site, uh, less users, um, yeah, okay, or whatever, you know, uh, Maybe the technology isn't your primary business. It's just empowers your business, but you do have some web presence. Um, I think those are good. Those are probably times where you're going to get less day-to-day, uh, -day, I would think anyways, incidents. Uh, and so, yeah, you have to practice them as well. But I, I, I guess I'm just saying that it's not enough to just write it down. You got to like be consistent in training uh, yeah. for, for yeah. your response. You have to exercise the those processes, right? Like, you know, if it if the only time that you exercise an incident response plan is when like a large incident happens, you're gonna you're gonna miss you're gonna miss things, right? You're gonna mess stuff up. Um, but I don't know how much I want to say this, but I, like um, we look at a lot of code, we find a lot of vulnerabilities, and. I would argue that most companies that I deal with, even large companies, don't necessarily take those vulnerabilities and run any sort of analysis on them from a monitoring perspective. Um, mm -hmm. I know larger ones, right? Like, you know, stuff that you guys get in through the bug bounty program, right? Like, I'm sure your process is very fit, very well refined. But this is, this is why I harp so much on, uh, you know, uh, you know, on auditing and logging is because it's not exercised, it's not reviewed. And even when we find a vulnerability, it's very rare that they have the process in place to actually review that and to say whether or not they've been exploited. Um, and it's, it's difficult for them to do that sort of thing. So I, like, it's just an area of improvement that I'd like to see, right? Like I, I would like to have that response from people when I'm like, hey, guess what? we found this sensitive data disclosure in your API and they come back with, Oh, okay, well we did analysis and we found that, you know, we, you know, a couple of incidents where this actually happened, it looks like it was a you know random use case or whatever it was, or no, oh, no, nothing's there. But I, I don't think I've ever actually had that response from most customers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, everybody's yeah. Every, everybody's sort of like what, 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 what their risk for this is and how they respond and all that's pretty um, specific to them. But uh, yeah, I think there's some tenants that are, that are the same for everybody. And I, yeah. I think we've hit on most of those. Um, so not to just like abruptly move on, but I did want to just before we uh, continue, I wanted to mention that check marks has put out this uh, application Um Capital is what it's called. So it uses React for the front end, and then it uses Fast API, uh, which is a because I was reading up on Fast API. I'm not super familiar with it, but uh, so I guess it's the quickest way. Like, uh, so it's a Django alternative. You know, Django is more fully featured. Kind of has like a bunch of yeah. It's a fully featured web framework. It has it has everything right. Um, 
Fast API is more basic, um, or at least that's what I'm reading. Uh, Fast API kind of allows you just, just like it sounds, get get an API running really quickly, um, yep. really simply. And so the idea is that you uh, have this Fast API that reacts making calls to the to the endpoint, and that's uh, your web app. And it's an intentionally vulnerable app. Um, and the idea is obviously it's it's. Uh, Got the OWASP top ten API risks. It's it's pretty similar to what you would see with most um, with most OWASP projects, which I think brings us back to the beginning of this. Which is notice that this is not on an OWASP uh, under the OWASP organization. This is under the checkmarks organization. So I'll leave it at that. But uh, surmise from that what you will. Uh, yeah. Well, no. I yeah, I mean the fact that it's the API top ten, and I, I to be completely honest, right? Like, uh, what's his bucket that's over at Checksmarks? Um, that is is one of the leads on the API, the OWASP API top ten, right? So it's not surprising to me that this is under the, you know, the Checkmarks uh, name. Stuff like this, though, I love I love to see, right? Like, it's it's so useful from a uh, get to know perspective, like what can actually, where it can actually fail and then testing it out, right? Like, I, yeah, I mean, you and I have built so many different vulnerable apps and vulnerable instances over the years. Some of them were publicly available. Some of them aren't, um, but then things like juice shop and others, right? Like there's always new technologies. There's always new, uh, there's new ways to fail, right? Like we have the same problems. We just implement them in different, uh, different technologies. So um, I mean, you know, with this one specifically, are you are you using this for any particular use? I mean, is this just part of your research for the stealth or what's what's going on with it? Like what caught your eye here? No, just that it was that it exists. It's another app to uh, test your API security stuff on. That's, uh, you know, um, it's cool. nice to have more stuff for API to show API security risks to test for API security issues. Um, it's kind of nice that it's out, it's released. Uh, so that was my main thing. I did want to know if anybody from, or if anybody like has, I don't know, I just let these folks know that like uh, their their HTTPS is jacked and also this site doesn't work that they've linked. So um, I don't know, if, you, if you're watching from, you're from check marks. Uh, just from their their repo. Oh, the capital uh, CTF that one. Yeah, it just doesn't doesn't work. So, anyways, <laughs> whatever. Um, but cool. I think it's neat that they did that, and uh, <laughs> you know Let's that see, server nice. ctfd.io. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. 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 Um, it's broken. But, so yeah, no, it's just more more wanting to let people know. There's this last article that we could run through because we only have like a few minutes left. Um. The problem with this one is the write-up is, so this is the one we were talking about before the podcast. Mm, yeah. um, so I'll post it and we can kind of talk through it. It's, I wish the reproduction steps were a little bit more detailed there. It almost felt like uh, this article, in my opinion, was rushed a bit or was purposefully omitting pretty significant details, uh, you know, to a degree. So uh, let's just talk about how we are interpreting um, this uh, I'm going to pull it up again. I'm going to share a screen again. All right. Sorry, Seth. I keep bouncing in and out, but uh, wow, the buddy. basic gist. And actually, I was telling you, so just real quick, I was telling you that when I was going through 
the process of, cause we hadn't touched our, my son and I each have our own Oculus. We hadn't gone through the process of touching one of those or using it in quite a while uh, until um, semi-recently, right? So, uh, which was maybe like a month or two ago. So we go through, we're trying to get our Oculuses back up on online. Um, if you have one, you'll know that when you, if you hadn't used it for a while and you went to go use it, it's like, no, you can't use this anymore unless you sign up for a meta account. Your Facebook account is no longer valid. And uh, so cool. I'm going through this process trying to get my son's account up into a meta account. Um, he's obviously not 18 or above. So there's some stuff there. And through the process of having to troubleshoot that whole thing, which was very, very frustrating. Like meta did a shit job with that. Like that upgrade was awful. It was botched in my opinion. Like it was really hard. There were a lot of functional bugs. There were a lot of problems with it. And uh, like this, this in my head, like alarm bells were going off. I was like, I know there's security issues here. I'm not going to dig into them. I don't have time for it. They're not paying me, but there's definitely security issues here if there's this many functional bugs. And sure enough, this came out, which was, yeah, like if you upgrade your meta account, guess what? They had to change some things. So the way it used to work was through the regular Facebook SSO handshake deal. They would do all the redirects via JavaScript, right? Instead of an actual like, in the get request in the HTTP path with a query parameter redirect URL equals, which is, you know, the safest or excuse me, the unsafest way to handle it. Cause that's typically like unsafe uh, redirects or whatever it's called unvalidated redirects and forwards. Right. Uh, I think that's the wasp category. In yep. any case, it's an unsafe redirect. Right. So that's essentially what this is. It sounds like, you know, you see surf uh, log in somebody. Okay. Uh, upon, upon, and this is where it gets a little hinky. Like, so I guess you see surf login somebody there and then you open, uh, you know, you open your, uh, this OAuth. So this would be the OAuth app ID and then uh, a redirection URL. Uh, but the redirection URL is to auth oculus.com with, uh, another redirect URL, which is to the actual, uh, foreign forum in, um, oculus with a response type token it says open redirect so um i'm guessing somehow this is this is where it gets a little this is where a lot of this gets fuzzy it's like um there's a lot of details i would prefer to see here to actually understand like at a concrete level what all happened here but from what i can surmise what it sounds like is i get you to through a set of redirects, visit uh, a meta, you log in and your access token, your OAuth access token through a series of redirects lands at my server essentially. And then I have your access token and I can begin working with the application in that way. I've actually had this vulnerability before in something I tested, um, <laughs> it, like the code changed later and there was some, it was opened up to not just be like static redirects to a static URL, um, which was the original configuration and why I approved it. Uh, so it was opened up later to be like, oh, we need to be flexible. So let's just like any server, just allow that to go into that redirect URL. And then like, that's how we're going to, to handle OAuth and we'll just ship. Anyways, I don't want to get into the details, but it was like, it was insane, right? Like bad idea. And uh, yeah. anyways, um, this is what it led to, which was, yeah, through a series of redirects, uh, you could steal some access tokens. Um, yep. This is a few years ago. So anyways, uh, 
Man, I really well. There's, the bench well, there's here, so yeah. I'm gonna be quiet. <laughs> no, you're fine, right? Like this. These are the issues when. Uh, so in this case, right, it looks like it came about because they upgraded that OAuth flow, right? It used right. to use like some sort of JavaScript um, to recreate that redirect or to create the redirect internally um, on that page. But once they flipped to using Meta, it did away with that protection, which then basically that that URL that's processed in there was going directly to the server. The server thought it was protected, right? Didn't realize that it could be manipulated and, you know, leads to the bigger problem. Like all these edge cases, especially with OAuth flows, right? That's one of my favorite places to st actually review like the step-by-steps to how that actually happens and how the authentication goes between those different services, because it usually it's easy to make a mistake. And when it, when you do problems like this pop up, right? Like it's, you know, me taking over your account, right? Like with the after dark stuff that we were looking at, right? Like anytime that we're depending on these like multiple intermediaries to pass this data back and forth, we run into these sorts of issues. Um, yeah. But I mean, that's yeah. essentially the crux of it. Forums.oculus.com allows a redirect to a third party app. And then mm -hmm. that third party app would be in this case, ysam.com or an app that had a url that was ysam.com and then boom um so you get a redirect to, you get a redirect to well, a redirect it? a redirect to uh auth.oculus.com from facebook from there you get another redirect to forums.oculus.com and the last bit there is whatever github app um that represents app id this number would have, I guess, presumably ysam.com as its, uh, you know, URL. And so when it sees this ID and it goes to this URL with an open redirect and a response type of token, which is the OAuth access token, it sends the OAuth access token off to ysam.com. Yep. Yep. The open redirect was not fully disclosed since it's not. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. That's why there's not a lot of details. I'm sorry. I, yeah, all right. I'm, it's clearly stated there. I totally missed that line. And that is 100% on me, not the author. That's why there are still some details that were, uh, um, yeah, missing. Not, okay. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. So. And it's a $44,250 bounty award. So that is insanely awesome and high. And good for you, YSAM.com, whoever yeah. you are, uh, Yusuf Samuda. <laughs> that is awesome. Good for you. Cool. So. Cool. Well, good. Um, we've covered quite a bit. I know you've got oh, to stop that. You've got to, gotta you've go got to jump. Now. So yeah, thanks everybody for joining today. We'll catch you online and um, it'll, we'll raw for a couple of weeks, but join us with Jerry when he's back uh, in, you know, in a couple of weeks. So yeah. Thanks All everybody right. thanks for joining everybody. today. Okay. Ciao.